excited about what God's doing in my life. Come on, look to the other person and say, I'm excited about what God's doing in your life. Amen? Come on, let's grab somebody's hand around us. Let's just bow our heads and reverence him. I believe God wants to speak to the deepest part of your hearts today. Come on, just close your eyes as we just pray. Just spend a moment in prayer right now. Let's not rush what God's trying to do in your life. Let's not rush what God's trying to bring forth. Come on. God gave us seven days and only asked for one. Don't rush out of here today. In Jesus' name. Father, we decree it and we declare it today. That we open our spiritual ears. That we might not hear you, God, but obey you today, God. That we would not just hear the word, God, but we would put it to practice, Father. That we would not be hearers of the word and not doers, God, but we would become doers of the word, as your Bible says in James chapter 1, God. Father, I ask you today that your word would begin to permeate our hearts and that we would even now have a spirit of expectancy over what is about to be spoken into our hearts, into our minds. We speak the Holy Spirit power into this place right now. We speak the anointing into this place right now. We speak those things that are not as though they were. Father, we put aside every discrepancy in our mind, God. We put aside every distraction in our hearts. We put aside everything in our minds that is preoccupying us, God. Every plan that we have outside this building that is waiting for us, God. We ask you to take it from our hearts and our minds now that we might be able to concentrate on your word and to give you the time that you rightfully deserve. For you are not a person that we come to. You are a king that we listen to, God. Awaken us in this place, God, that we would not hear the words from the mouth of a man, but hear a whisper from the mouth of a king. And that your word would speak into us. In Jesus' name we pray. I believe that as a Christian, my life with Christ should attract people and not distract people. Your Christianity should not be something someone could mock. It should not be able to be mocked, ridiculed, because it should be real. Somebody say amen. In this day and age as believers, we live in a time that could only be described as dark times. We're living in some of the most ruthless days of mankind. Somebody say amen. We're living in days, as the Bible says in Matthew, the 24th chapter, where Jesus began to speak to his disciples concerning the end days. He said the signs of the times would be that there would be wars and rumors of war and nation would rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And he begins to speak on these things. And we're living in those days with times like Iran is dealing with nuclear issues and and Korea is doing nuclear testing and, and the United States and there's war all across the Middle East. Daniel, the 11th chapter, says that in the end times, that the countries 
of Egypt and the countries of Libya would turn against their oppressive dictators and have a civil revolt in the country. Daniel chapter 11, read it on your own time. Just this year and last year, we saw in Libya, Omar Gaddafi disposed of power. We saw Egypt go into a bloody conflict. You need to wake up and realize that you are living in the end times. You are living in the days where Christ could come back at any moment. I don't tell you this to scare you. I tell you to excite you. We're living in dark times. One does not have to look too far to see the depravity of our own city, to see how all around us there is moral loss, there is values being lost, there is people acting crazy, violence is on the rise, people in the city of Bridgeport kill people in broad daylight as if this is a video game. Teen pregnancy is on the rise. STDs are on the rise. There seems to be no solution in sight. Abortion still is not an issue you desire to stand up to. Same-sex marriage, even though almost every state has voted against it, the government has made it legal. But you don't care because we are concerned about our lives. Christ has called us to be a standard, not the flood. You might be tired of hearing things about abortion and or gay marriage and same-sex marriage, but the reason and the reality is is that evil will always prevail when godly men fail to stand up for what is right. Darkness will abound when light ceases to exist in the church. Our school systems progressively get worse and school violence is on the rise. School mass murders are hardly even reported in mainstream media anymore. And you find out about it months after the fact. A kid walks into the school and shoots 10 people. Back in the days of Columbine, it was national news because it had never happened before. But nowadays, they don't report it because it's just as common as a raping in Central Park. I wish you would open your eyes today. The murder rate is up and people are being murdered throughout the country. We live in a time where sexual promiscuity is rampant, where casual sex has replaced love and relationship and nobody desires to do the things the Bible says. Kids having no respect for parents, teachers, and elders and they listen to all types of music that speaks sex and violence and drugs into their life and then we wonder why they turn to sex, drugs, and violence in their life. Our kids' minds are filled with foolishness and violence. Websites like YouTube and World Star Hip Hop have become issues that because they post their viral videos of them jumping people and fighting and all types of violence and sexual conduct all over the internet and your kids are watching it, your family, maybe you might be watching it, maybe you might be laughing at the foolishness that is taking place, but God has called you to be a light and to attract people, not distract people. We laugh as things in this world could get any worse. I could go on for days, but the reality of the situation is the Christian body as a whole has fallen asleep, not to themselves, but to the needs of the world. Christians are too busy fighting one another. 
against the wickedness of the generation. We're fighting each other in the churches, pastor against pastor, church against church. And when will we put the distraction to the side and realize that you are the change that God is needing in this world? When would you stand up and say, I am what needs to change? If, if you would just be the one person God could use, that he could change your family. If you would be the one person God could use to change your neighborhood. If you could be the one person God could use to change your city. But our situations seem to eclipse God. Jesus lays out what we should do. The way we should be. In a very well-known passage of scripture, if you could turn in your Bibles to Matthew, the fifth chapter. I'm looking, reading from verses 14 to 16. Come on, as you're turning in your Bible, say it right now. I am the change this world is waiting for. Matthew chapter 5 in the 14th verse. Jesus is giving what is considered his inaugural speech. It stretches from Matthew chapter 4 to Matthew chapter 7. It's where he covers many things such as the Beatitudes and salt and light. And he says this concerning the believers, concerning the people who were following him, concerning the people who decided to be disciples of him. Is anybody here a disciple of Christ? Does anybody here say, Pastor, I am a follower of the living God. I am a follower. To those people following him, Jesus said the following words, you are the light of the world. He did not say... If you're having a good day, you're the light of the world. He did not say if you're in a good mood, you're the light of the world. He did not say that when you feel good and everything's okay in your marriage, you're going to be the light of the world. He did not say when things are fine in the bank, when your finances are okay, when your kids are all well behaved, you're the light of the world. He did not say when people gossip about you and you're not mad about it, you're the light of the world. He said you are in every situation the light of the world. He didn't mean a black light to illuminate things not need to be seen. But Christians are professionals in taking someone's conversation, breaking it apart, and seeing the wind. Just as Peter saw when he was walking on the water, he saw something that was not there. And we'll sit there and read into somebody and gossip the entire year away, missing the greatest moments that God had planned for your life. There is no rebate. You can't get these things back. Jesus declared to his followers. I'm speaking to the followers of Jesus in this place today. You are the light of the world in a city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to everything in the house. In the same way, in the same way, let your light shine before others. So that they might see your good works. Not your good conversation. Your good works. We're not saved by works, but God says to do good works. They might see you being the change. They might see you feeding the poor. They might see you donating to the, to the, to the people who don't have clothes. Clothing the naked. Caring for the widows. Your good works. And they would give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Tell the person next to you, you are the light of the world. No one turns a light on and hides it, he says. Understand that in the times of Jesus, light was very different than what it was today. Light in the time of Jesus was just candles, lamps that were just nothing more than a wick with wax or olive oil 
and the lamp was just a little wick with the olive oil pot on the bottom. The, the olive oil would trickle up the wick and it would light. And when you lit one lamp, it was the equivalent of less than one wattage of light. It would take over 150 lamps to replace one light bulb in the ceiling. And so Jesus understands the importance of light in biblical times. And he says, listen, when it gets dark, you would not light a lamp just to hide it. You are lighting it because something is needed. Something has to be seen. You are lighting it in order that you can manage to get around your household. You are lighting it in order that you can get around and not stumble, not fall. I don't, I don't know if you understand this. So many of us have become so accustomed to the dark. You just can now make out the shadows of things and you don't slip and fall because you're accustomed to the darkness. Not because we're saved. Not because we're living right. Well, I don't, I, don't mean, I don't mean to offend you, but if I do, I might save you from going to hell. So I'll take that all day. Have you ever thought that maybe you're not as saved as you think you are, and you have just become accustomed to seeing in the dark? What good is it for someone to light a lamp and to color it? There was no decorative light as there is today. It wasn't as if there was light so strong today. We have light so strong that we have to, we have to try and direct the light and put a canopy around it or put a, a, a blinder around the light so it can be directional. But in Jesus' time, the light was important. And sometimes we read the scripture and not realize it. Many of us are a light for Christ, but we have a lampshade so that we won't offend nobody, so that we won't be too bright for somebody, so that they'll still accept me as their friend, but I don't have to change the way they live. Oh, I wish you would just be honest today. Jesus' day had no lamps, shades on top. They needed all the light they could get. What good is it for us to cover the light that Christ has put into our life? You might be the only light someone living in a dark world sees. God has not redeemed us in order that we might hide or be neutral, but he has called you to be a light bearer and a beacon of hope for those all around you who are in need. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Say it right now. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Jesus came in saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light of the world. Then he's saying, now you're the light of the world. Because I have come to reside in you. You are the light of the world. It isn't time to try and be cute and dress up your light with a pretty little lampshade for Christ. It's not time to dress up your Christianity. Just let it shine bright. Far too long, we've allowed the light in our lives to be shaded and hidden. But now is the time that you should rise. Because I would promise you that you are the change that God is looking to bring into someone's life. You are what Bridgeport needs. You are what Stratford is desperate for. You are what Norwalk is crying out for. You are what the homosexuals in New Haven need. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You 
are the light. Somebody tell somebody next to you, you're the light of the world. It is the job of the church to feed the poor, clothe the naked, and care for the widows, and to care for those who are in need. It is time you began to be an activist and not a pacifist. God has called you to be active for him, not to lay down and to die. I need you to leave here today understanding I am the light of the world. You may not feel like a light. You may not look like a light. But when there's darkness, any type of light brings great vision. You may not be the perfect light. You may not be the best light. But even in the darkest of rooms, you will take and pull out your little cell phone and put on just a screen. Because a little light in a dark place illuminates a lot of things. You may not feel like a light, but Christ has made you a light. Change is needed, change is necessary, and the change is in you. For the same way in which God made you a new creation, he could flip, turn this city upside down. He could take the state and revert it back to him. He could make the entire nation a new creation if you would just begin to be the light of the world. Tell it to yourself again, I am the light of the world. can't hide our light anymore. I don't know if you understand the, the depth of what God is trying to convey to you. God, immutable, unchangeable, omnipresent, completely sovereign creator of all the universe. He is the creator of all that is good. He is the, the manufacturer of everything you see. He's brought the, the best of things from the worst of things. He is the God who set his only son to die for you. He is the God who has no beginning and has no end. He is that one supreme being. He is all present. He is all knowing. He is everything. He is the alpha. He's the omega. He's the Adonai. He is Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi. That God has called you to be a part of his story. That God, that immutable, unchangeable, all-powerful God, he's crying out for you to be a part of his story. He has left a pivotal role that you might play <coughs> in his story. Somebody say it again, I am the light of the world. Maybe you've been unintentionally hiding your light for Christ. Truth be told, all throughout the week, many choose to ignore being a light for Christ. I wish you would be honest with yourself today that your issues and situations get the best of you and it allows it to steal your joy. And when the opportunity comes for you to share your faith, you cannot do it because you have no faith. I'll take your mmms as a couple of amens. I heard about 15 of them. Mmm. Mm. That's more of an ouch. I wish you would be honest today, church. I wish you would just for once let it all hang out. No one's trying to beat you up. They're not trying to cut you open. They're trying to operate you. They're trying to make you stronger. Every time God begins to work on you, you act like he's trying to give a heart transplant. But he is. Because your heart's not working. You need God's heart. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. And this is a pastoral letter from Paul to Timothy. And he says some words that are extremely powerful, and it speaks to the condition of the church in the last days. And Paul says this, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. He's talking about in the church. People will be lovers of themselves. 
lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And then he says, have nothing to do with those people. Lovers of themselves. He calls the people in the church in the last days treacherous, boastful. Oh, God knows the church is abusive. Children are disobedient to their parents and they're extremely ungrateful, unholy, unforgiving. There's too many in the church without self-control. Paul is not referring to the world. My brothers, my sisters, God and Paul are referring to the church. We can't be so naive. When I say the church, I'm not talking GVA. I mean the body. We cannot be so naive as to think. See, I was naive when I came in as a pastor. I thought this will be great. I'll just start, you know, contacting all the pastors that I know. And because I'm a pastor and they're a pastor and I have a church and they have a church, we're going to get along great. They're going to help me. I'll help them because that's what I like to do. I like to help people. It took me about one month to figure out I was alone. Because pastors wouldn't want to talk with pastors. Wouldn't even let you come into church. They don't want to have a meeting with you. They're afraid that you might steal some of their sheep. It took me about one month to realize that pastors within the city of Bridgeport are slanderous, treacherous. Or can I speak the truth today? Boastful envious, without self-control. I would stand next to a bishop and I would hear him curse and swear as if he had no self-control. Paul is not speaking of the world. The problem is we read a scripture like that and think, oh, he's talking about the world. But what we fail to realize is the church looks just like the world. And so we read the scripture thinking he's talking about the world, but it's talking about the church. And because the church looks so much like the world. I came here to ruffle your feathers today. I really came here to upset your spirit. Because this is how the father feels. He's not referring to the world, but to the polluted church. How many of us know that many times throughout our week, we are not lovers of God, but lovers of self. Putting our needs before that of others, putting our needs before God's. Selfishness is the mark of the Antichrist. We're unforgiving. We are slanderous. We talk about people. We act in ways we shouldn't. We say things to people we shouldn't. And we say things on Facebook and on Twitter that we shouldn't say. Oh, got really quiet. So many believers with no self-control, unable to hold their tongues and always justifying the sinfulness of their actions and never bearing responsibilities. Paul calls you treacherous. And you are on your way to a very discomfortable eternity. That's my nice way of saying hell. 
Verse 7 in 2 Timothy 3 is, is the most amazing scripture because it says they're always learning but never knowing the truth. Oh, he's talking about Christians who come to church. They might sing on the worship team. They might come to small groups and be at every prayer service. But they're never learning about God. They never draw closer to God. They're still the same sinful person they were when they walked in. They go from church to church, and they're not the same. Always learning, but never knowing. Miles Monroe, a great man of God, he would refer to it as dark knowledge and light knowledge. See, knowledge is power, literally. He said there's dark knowledge and there's light knowledge. Dark knowledge is all the knowledge we collect while here on earth that does not lead us to heaven. It can't take you nowhere. Some people I know who are very smart, they're full of dark knowledge. Not because it's evil, but because it won't lead them to light. And so you might know how to fly a spaceship into outer space, and you are so wrapped up in other life forms that you deny the, the ability to have a one single creator because you believe in Darwinism and you are so educated and now you have been filled with dark knowledge because it does not lead you to truth. Does that make sense? Always learning but never knowing the truth. That right there describes many believers, not just a few. Always in church, always around God, but never changing. I'll put it to you like I put it to you many times. When's the last time you've been struggling with a new sin? I've told you this many times. Many of us don't have new sins. We have the same sins since we walked in this room, since we walked into this church. He says they have the form of godliness, meaning they know how to look godly. They know how to talk godly. They know how to come to church on time. They know how to praise God, but throughout the week, they're ungodly. So they have a form, but deny the power of the form. The form, it, it, the ability of the form is to give you a certain fit. You see, when a, a contractor lays concrete, he puts what they call a form. The form is usually wood, and he'll build it up and build it with reinforcements on the side. They will pour the wet concrete into the form and leave the form there until the concrete hardens. And it takes on the shape of the form. And so what the, the apostle is saying here is you are supposed to fit into the form of God until you take his shape. But you don't. You hop in his shape on Sunday, jump out after service like, ooh, that was getting crowded in there. He was making me feel a certain way. I don't like the way that I'd be feeling like crying in church. I don't know what it is. It's the Holy Spirit. I felt a certain way. You felt conviction. The devil will have a way of turning conviction into anger. Why did he sound so mad and so mean? Instead of saying, why did he sound so true and so relevant? Because it fits and it hits home. You can only be offended in a place you have defense. I'll leave that alone. That's a whole other preacher. Is anybody here with me today? We're living in dark times, and you are supposed to be the light of the world. These are issues that everyone in this room faces, being treacherous, without self-control, having pride, being boastful, selfishness. We all, we all 
have these issues. Somebody help me here. We all have a form of godliness. The power of the form is to make it take the shape. That is the power of the form. The power of a concrete form is nothing other than to give the concrete the shape. And so God is saying, you're denying my ability to shape your life. I don't know if you get You're denying my ability to change the way you talk. You're denying my ability to really take over your life. You're denying my ability to shape you, for I am the potter, you are the clay. You're denying my ability to use you in the capacity that I created you to be. You are denying my ability to use you as a sold-out, safe Christian because you want to live your life because you're young, because you're this, because you're that. God says you're denying my ability. I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you, but I cannot do it as long as you deny my ability to shape your life problem is is that is that God has been eclipsed by self God has been eclipsed the definition of, a, of an eclipse in in a in form of a solar eclipse is that one planetary object usually the moon obstructs the light of the sun from getting to the earth that's kind of exactly what's happening is that the light of Christ, the Son of God that is in you is being eclipsed by the selfishness and the sin within you and the world, the earth is not seeing the light of God in you because there are too many things blocking the light. God is being eclipsed by issues in your life. When the eclipse is in great effect over the earth, it brings darkness. The word eclipse also means to lose a certain level of prominence, to make due to a comparison. So what it says is that we compared ourselves and God, and we thought ourselves to be better than God, and so God lost prominence in our lives. And you, you may say to yourself, Pastor, I never thought of myself as better than God, but every time you do your will, not God's will, you think of yourself as better than God. You may not like the way that sounded, but it's just true. The key is to put God first. We can't say my will is more important. My feelings mean more than his. And what I want to say is more important than he would desire me how to speak, no matter who I hurt in the process. The plan of Satan is not always the exact opposite of God's. Listen to me here. The plan of Satan is not always the exact opposite of God's. Usually, it's about 1% different. God's plan is to be first. Satan's plan is for God to be second. It's not that far from the... You, you get what I'm saying here? It's almost the same exact plan. and It just makes more sense to do our will first. Satan doesn't want to completely take you out of God's will. He just wants God not to be first. The devil doesn't care if he's not first. He's willing to let you be first. <laughs> In order that God won't be first. If he can put you first. If me and I come before the Father and the Son, Satan's won. Don't you know that God has everything you need? You know, when, when I surrender my, my all to God, God provides every single last thing, down to my gas, to my food. God provides everything. Matthew 6, 33, uh, when I became a pastor, I put it on the wall of my bedroom in my home on Colorado Avenue, and it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
John chapter 3, verse 30, Jesus, the son of the living God, his plan of success, he said, I must decrease and my father must increase. All the things in your life that you could possibly desire are yours if you simply put God first. The vast majority of the issues you face in your life are simply designed to remove God from being first. From the sin, to the problems, to the arguments in the family. Every time we go through something, our light is dimmed a little more. Every time something comes up and God is put to the side, your light for God dims a little more. And you miss out on being the light that someone needs you to be. And every time you're depressed, your light dims a little more. And every time you fall into sin, your light dims a little more. And every time you are overcome with grief, your light dims a little more. And every time you are overcome with a situation at work, your light dims a little more. And every time you choose work and family and everything else above God, your light dims a little more. Don't put your light for Christ on a dimmer. Don't allow yourself to not be the light God has called you to be. There's no time. We live in evil times. We live in dark times. And all around us today, I would challenge you. God's calling you to shine your light. Shine your light. Shine your light. Nothing is more important than God. But Jesus declared to his followers, is there any followers of Christ in this place today? He said, you are the light of the world. He did not say you're the person sitting in the red seat at church. He did not say you're the believer who should shout the loudest. He said, you are the light of the world. You may not feel like a light, but in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God has called you to be a light. Every situation in your life that comes against you is an opportunity not for tragedy, but for triumph. It is an opportunity to shine the light of Christ. We need to stop giving provision to the devil. Ephesians 4.27. Ephesians 4.27 says this. Are you ready for this? Are you sure? And give no opportunity to the devil. That means with your mouth, with your actions, with your thoughts. You want to put God first, church? Give no opportunity to the devil. Learn how to act and live and give God the proper opportunity. No situation is great enough and deep enough and hard enough to make me lose my Christianity over. No situation. Early this week, someone very close to me was going through something, and they called me midweek, and they were in tears, and they were pretty upset about the situation. And, you know, I felt dumb telling this because nobody ever wants to hear God's stuff in the middle of a situation. You want somebody to side with you and say, let's go beat them down. Let's go cuss them out. God will forgive us. Let's go kick them in the face. And then be like, take that. I wasn't always saved. Isn't that how we feel sometimes? Someone upsets you, and in your mind, you're thinking of all the things you would do to them. If you fought them, you know every single move you would do. You know every single punch you would throw, every headlock you would try and grab. And if they got out of that, you knew exactly what you would do next. Isn't that how it goes?
Oh, I'm just tired of people treating me this way. I'm just tired of this. And I sat there and told this person, I said to them, you know, I think this is an opportunity for maturity. And that person actually took what I said and ran with it. And by Saturday morning, they messaged me and said, you know what? I prayed and I prayed and I know it was God. And I feel myself maturing. It ain't easy. But that's being a light for Christ. That's being a light for Christ. Being a light for Christ. Without you, God has nothing on this earth. What you might see as tragedy is truly an opportunity for triumph. What you might see as defeat is God's opportunity for you to step into destiny. What you might consider a lonely life is God's opportunity to be alone with you. (laughs) What you see is not what God sees. And I would challenge you today that in the spiritual realm, everything is being done by Satan to dim your light. But you have to stand strong in the faith in order that God's light is seen. But real Christianity cannot be hidden the way a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Jesus said a city on a hill cannot be hidden. I remember when I went to go see the Bioflorescent Bay in Puerto Rico. I was with Emmanuel. I was with, I believe I was with Pastor Carmen, and I was with Minister Rose. We had gone, and we were, we were out there. It was the, the dark of night. Everybody's trying to get you to go on their boat. Everybody's sketchy at night. And they take us on this boat, and, and I'm with Daniela also. You were there. And we begin to go off on this boat into the ocean. And I'm like, where in God's name are they taking us? I hope it's not too far, because I could not see a thing front of me I didn't know how they knew where they were going it was pitch black and as I looked up into the sky I had never seen the stars as bright as I saw them that day and I still have not because there was no city lights to obstruct them there was no light from the earth to obstruct them And it strikes me that that's what Jesus is meaning, is that a city on a hill in biblical times, cities were far apart. There was no suburb light. There were no sprawling, gated communities. There was none of that. It was just cities, walled cities. And you could see a city on a hill for miles and miles away. In biblical times, it is said you can see a candle from five miles away because the darkness was different because it had no form of light. A city on a hill has a couple of advantages. Christ is trying to sell you something here. A city on a hill is above the lowlands. It cannot be flooded. You cannot be flooded by the enemy. You have a city on a hill. Every time the enemy came to attack a city on a hill, they could never surprise them. They would always see them coming. If you would choose to be the city on a hill, you would always see the devil coming after you. A city on a hill can be seen from every side. Christ is saying, you are the light of the world. From every angle, people should be able to follow you, not just when you're in church. Tell somebody next to you, you're the light of the world. Real Christianity cannot be hidden just the other day. I was at a meeting with some people in a diner, and I was speaking to one of the ministers I was with about Christ and and, and men mid-conversation, two ladies stopped me and said, what church do you go to? What's the address? Where is it at? What are your service times? I didn't ask them to come talk to me, but the real thing is is that they, they bore witness to what I was saying. You can't hide real Christianity. People are attracted to it. 
the way a light would attract a bug is the way you would attract sinners to you. <laughs> you just missed that. That's all right. You are the change your family is waiting for. The problem is, is that our family is living in spiritual darkness. And when you come over with your bright self, you offend their eyes the same way someone sitting in a dark room, when you walk in the room and they flip the lights, you're like, oh, turn that off. What are you doing? Oh, my God. Are you dumb? Don't you see me sitting here in the dark? Doesn't that sound dumb? Don't you see me here in the dark? Turn the light off. What are you doing? That's exactly how your family is when you come along and talking about Christ and they're living in darkness and they sit there and say, uh-uh, get away from me. I don't want that. I don't want you around me. <clears throat> Who do you think you are talking to me about Christ? You're my kid. Oh, isn't that how it is? So what's the solution? Do you turn the light back off? Or do you hang around them long enough for them to adjust to what you're saying? solution for someone in a dark room is not to keep the lights off. Just tell them to close your eyes for a second. Wait till your pupils dilate or, or contract or whatever they have to do to be accustomed to this light. And then you'll be able to see what I see. There's going to come a day in your life with someone in your family who's been mocking you and making fun of you about your Jesus stint that you're on will come up to you and say, listen, I don't know why you're so happy in the midst of such tragedy, in the midst of such, such turmoil. I, I don't know why you, you haven't let go of God. I don't know why you have not cursed this God of yours. There must be something to it. At some point, someone in your family, some of your friends who have mocked you for not hanging out with them any longer, one of your friends who's, who made fun of you and, and made fun of you day after day, your coworkers who've mocked you and gossiped about you, they'll come to you and they'll say, where's your church at? Because I need what you got problem is we're too busy flipping on a dimmer switch in our life, but we don't want to offend nobody. I don't want to be pushy with my religion. I'm not pushy with my religion. I don't even minister to people. People come to me and then I minister. Because they know who I am and I walk in a way and I try and live my life to the best of my ability to attract people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't tell you the amount of times I've been sitting in a restaurant. I was in a, sitting in a restaurant in Cheshire. Cheshire, Connecticut with the individual and I was counseling them and someone just right next to them comes up and says, you must be a Christian and it's so good to see young Christians. God bless you. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You always sit there wonder, I don't know how to share my faith. You don't have to. All you got to do is be a Christian and your faith will share itself. Have you ever walked into someone's house? Have you ever come to my house, anyone who's been over, and I flicked the lights on, and I said, it's okay, you can have some of my light. When you walked into church today, did someone say, you can use the church's light today? It's okay. Because the light that is shining is for everyone. The light within you is for everyone. Even the people you hate. The people you despise. The people who have put you down and talked about you. The light of Christ in you is for them. Your light is too bright to hide. People should be able to spot your Christianity a mile away. Somebody say it to yourself, I am the light of the world. We cannot hide our faith. We must express it. We shouldn't be a silent Christian. We should be loud, bold, and shining bright. 
There's no neutrality in Christian. We are all for God. We cannot sit by while things take place in our nation that we do not agree with morally. You have to be a light for Christ. Say what you got to say no matter how many Facebook friends you lose. We have to be, somebody say, a light for Christ. Real Christianity cannot be hidden. I remember when I was a kid in the old church, we used to sing this song. I don't know if you guys remember, they would just be, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. The next part, hide it under a bushel. No! I'm going to let it shine. And every part, every time they got to that part, they would stop us and make us sing it over. We didn't say no correctly. Hide it under a bushel. No! You know, back then, we didn't want to serve God. I'm like, they make me sing that song since I was like 12 probably, you know? <laughs> to them, Sunday school was teenager time. You know, they, they had no difference. There was no youth group and kids ministry. I learned what the five-year-olds were learning in that church. Hide it under a bushel. No! But now, I see it, and I'm like, hide it under a bushel. No! I will not hide my light for Christ. No, I cannot. I don't care if you're offended. I'll be a real friend and stick around long enough until your eyes adjust to what I see. This week, when Satan comes to tell you to hide your light, what are you going to tell him? That you got it. I don't have time to hide my life. Let me tell you something. Some of you think you have your life ahead of you. Death stalks every one of us. I have no time to waste. Hide it under a bushel and I'm going to shout. I have to let my light shine. For Jesus said it. You are the light of the world. I don't know if you understand this. When you're a light, you share the faith. When you're a light, people's gossip doesn't affect you the way bugs don't affect the lamps. <laughs> when you're a light, you will hurt for others and be compassionate. When you have a light for Christ, you will speak to anyone who is down and you will be selfless instead of selfish. When you're a light for Christ, you will invite people to church. You will be a person of compassion. You will help the, the man standing on the corner. You will help any person who comes in your path crying out for help, for you are a light. And Jesus said, for what does darkness have to do with light? Meaning darkness cannot coexist. If I were to shut the lights off in this church, a certain level of darkness would come over the place. But the second I would begin to turn the lights on, darkness would flee. I don't, I don't think you get this. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. That's what? 5.8 trillion miles in an hour. You want to know how to change the city of Bridgeport really quickly? It start being a light for God and darkness will have to flee. You want your family to be back together, be a light for God, and darkness will have to flee. You want your husband and your wife to come to Christ, be a light for him, and darkness has to flee. 
I cannot hide my life. I will not hide my life. You are what this city needs. You are the change your family needs. You are the very thing that people have been crying out for. You are the answer to your very own prayers if you would begin to be a light for Christ. We cry out to God for salvation of our families and of our loved ones, but God says, no, you bring them in. I've called you to be a fisher of men. I've called you to be a soul winner. I've called you to do it. I've not called you to distract people, but to attract people. You are the light of the world. Not for my glory. Not for your glory but that they might see the works that you're doing for God. That they might see the glory of God. How many believe that you're the light of the world? You are the light of the world. Come on, stand with me in this early afternoon. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Come on, just close your eyes and bow your head and believe it right now. I am the light. Tell yourself over and over, I am the light of the world. God is in me. The Son of the Most High, God is in me. He's not called me to, to hide it. He's called me to let it shine bright. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. I am a beacon of hope. I am the thing that my family needs. I am the one. I am the one God is going to use to win them over. I am the one. I am a soul winner. I am a, a world changer. I am. I am. That is me. That is me. God has empowered me. God has defined me. God will use me. God. I am. I am the light of the world. Come on, begin to say, lift your hand and tell them, I am your light. I will be your light. I will repel the darkness. I, I will help you, God. I will be your hands and feet on this earth. I am the light of the world. Oh, come on, don't stop saying it yet. I am the light. I am the light of the world. Oh, God, I will do it. I will do as you say. I will go where you want me to go. I will follow your ways. Called us to be the light of the world. You've called us, God. Come on, I believe it in this place today. God is calling some people who've been struggling in your faith to rise up like never before. It's time to be a light for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I've called you to be a light. I've called you. I've called you. You may not feel like it, but you can do all things to Christ who strengthens you. I've called you. I've called you. Holy Spirit, work in the midst of your people. You've called us to be a light. You've called us to be a light. Oh, we just thank you, Father. Come on, repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I will be the light you have made me to be. I will shine as bright I possibly can. Not with my strength, but Father, with your strength. 
I will cast out darkness everywhere I go. Nothing I do will be without your light shining in me. I stand before you now promising you to be a light to be the change this city needs to be the change this state needs to bring forth change that this nation needs this is my promise to you I will shine bright for the sake of your kingdom no matter how I feel no matter what comes against me no matter what plan of the enemy tries to attack me I will shine my light in Jesus name come on let's lift your hands if you can just give them a minute of worship God that will shine for you God that will give it to you those who came in with heaviness God begin to release the burden now those who came, God, there's people in this room today, right before you got here, God says you were arguing in your car as you came to church. God says, come on, come on, give it up right now. Be a light for Christ. Be a light for Christ. Be a light for Christ. Hopelessness has got to leave when light is there. We're being a light for Christ in this place today. Come on, begin to worship him right now. We're going to be a light for Christ. Holy Spirit, come on, that's right, just tell him, have your way in me, have your way in me, Father God, come on, I know you might be a little warm, a little tired, but tell him, have your way right now. Come on, he gave you six days to yourself and only asked for one. Come on, you didn't ask for a couple of hours. Just tell him right now. I'm turning it over to you, God. I'm turning it over, God. I'm surrendering it, God. Whatever you're struggling with. Come on, tell him. I'm turning it over to you, God. Oh, Holy Spirit, be magnified. Be magnified, God. Be magnified, God.
I'm going to be a light for you, God. Come on, I'll love you. Tell them right now. I'm going to love you with my whole heart, mind and strength. I'm going to love you, Jesus. I'm going to love you with my whole heart. somebody's hand around you. Come on, let me head bowed, every eye closed as we prepare to leave this place. Father, as we leave this place, I don't want to leave your presence, God. God, as I leave this place, I don't want to leave your glory, God. God, as we leave this place, we want to take this light with us, God. God, we want to be the change that our families are crying out for. God, we want to be the change that you, you desire for us to be, God. God, we're, we're completely surrendering. God, we don't want to do anything outside your will, God. We just want to do what you want us to do, God. We just want to do your will, God. Come on, tell them your will. Tell them your will. In my life, your will, right now and forevermore, I'll shine bright in Jesus' name. Father, as we leave this place, if we don't leave your presence, then you give us traveling graces. Come on, you are dismissed. In